0: What's up, Familia? We are here with a very special episode of Power of X-Men to discuss our top 15 LGBTQIA plus favorite X characters. And, of course, we had to assemble the dream team here. We have Sean, a.k.a. Latverian Lad. What up, everybody? And, of course, this is why everyone tunes into the podcast for his snide remarks. Mr. Scott Free, I'm here. <laughs> I'm queer. Um, yeah. For the podcast, I try not to get hyper political, as both of you know. But I think, given the current landscape of everything that's happening in our country, well, mine and Scott's country, yeah, <laughs> excluding you, and lad, I think it's really important that we do celebrate pride and we have very strong, you know, voices out there at a time that we need to uplift our community. Simple as that.
2: Plus, X-Men, if nothing else, is an allegory for you know minority groups, the LGBTQ plus community being one of them. So I'm sure it's very near and dear to a lot of the hearts of the listeners.
0: Well, so that's the thing. I, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, where my cousin and I grew up Getting into X-Men together, right? We got into the 94 Fleer Ultras, and he was very much into the idea that Wolverine pops his claws, a storm conjures the elements, Cyclops has his optic blast. He didn't see the mutant metaphor in all of it, and I saw the mutant metaphor, and it spoke really directly to my heart, and neither one is better than the other, but I wanted to ask you guys how you felt growing up and and discovering X-Men. And did you immediately see that muted metaphor
2: that was was so present in the books? No, because, I mean, I probably stumbled upon X-Men when I was like five, six years old, right? Mm -hmm. Watching the cartoon. But I think as you get older, being a gay child, you know, I think a lot of people that are from, you know, our community see things like x-men or harry potter or any of these kind of stories where people that are different and have secrets get whisked away to this amazing place that you're celebrated for it and i think you know there's a reason why so many queer people love the x-men and that's why Um, so i think yeah it it definitely resonated with me when i was younger when i was at the appropriate age not when i was like five yeah i mean no it it,
1: it definitely resonated with me i mean it is a story of, of of difference and people who are who feel different and are made to feel different um by their community and uh yeah no it it, it definitely um you know we particularly like coming out of the nineties where a lot of the nineties stories can be very uh, heavy handed with a lot of the, um, the metaphor. Yeah, definitely did.
0: It's funny. We, we had Margaret Lush on the podcast in the fall and she talked about what family program is supposed to be. And family program is something that everyone can sit down and they can watch the TV together, whether it's mom, dad, you know, little sister, little brother. Everyone can come together and and watch what's in front of them. And the idea of family programming, family programming, is that it speaks to the audience that's geared towards, but it's also speaking up to them where the adults can kind of get it. And you know, did I absorb the meta metaphor in those first couple of comics I read? Those Fleer Ultras, no, probably not. But I did definitely 100% absorbed it in the X-Men animated series because I so distinctly remember being a little day spring and wishing that one day I could go off to a school far, far away in this magical state called New York and find a group of people that would accept me, that I would I would find sort of my tribe with. So maybe I couldn't metabolize what the meta metaphor was back in 1993 but i certainly could intuitively know there was more to the story than meets the eye and i think that's why so many of us who are lgbtqia plus individuals we can identify with the x-men because apart from the obvious metaphor i think every x-men story and scott we have talked about this extensively the the story speaks up to the audience and I appreciate that. And, and whether it's coded or metatextual with, 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 with certain aspects or a parallel to what's happening in real life, be it good or not, the, that allegory is there or that symbolism is there and that people can latch onto and sort of have some kind of spiritual identification with.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it always, it really bugs me when people are like, Oh, well, like comics uh, shouldn't be political. Comics can't be political. And it's like, First of all, people say they're usually um, have an agenda in pushing that, but also, like, comics are inherently political, and the X Men are inherently political in being a story about groups, you know, comparable to like the LGBT community or uh, racial or ethnic minorities who face, um, you know, oppression from a majority that isn't always comfortable with them. And, like, you know, the X Men are a great vehicle for exploring a lot of those themes.
0: Right. I never understand people who say that the that comic books shouldn't be political. I'm like, have you read an X Men X Men comic before? That that to me just like baffles me hundred and ten percent. Because it the the main enemy for let's say something like the X Men Anime series is the US government that created Sentinels to hunt. Yeah. Mutant, yeah. right? The uh, the the mutant registration act, Nimrod, everything. It is. It, it's laced with it. You, it. It doesn't need to be a perfect allegory. It doesn't need to be anything other than you know what you what you make it out to be. But it's still obviously there, and and that's why I kind of cock my head with certain things. Like have we even, been reading the same comics? Like it, it just again because I don't want to throw shade to people like my cousin who saw Wolverine. cause. Yeah. Drag him on this
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> I don't talk to him anymore, so it's fine. Oh. But um, I talked to all my other cousins except for him. But, like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to inhibit that kind of enjoyment where sometimes a superhero comics is a superhero comic. But if you're going to scratch the surface, surely you must know that there is a deeper message here. I, I, the X-Men are not hiding a deeper message.
1: I mean, the the cover of Captain America 1 from 1940 is literally Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Like, I don't know how you say, oh, comics have never been political before. That's right.
0: Scott, take us to fucking church on this Wednesday evening.
1: No, it's just, like, it, you know, basic, like, reading comprehension. I mean, I don't know how you read, like, X-Men and don't get, like, oh, this has always been a political story. This has always been a story about a minority facing oppression. I 100% uh, agree with you, though. Like, no, it but is it, a reading comprehension
0: thing. Yeah, I, I it, really it, do agree with you. Some people just don't have reading comprehension skills. I'm uh, not trying to insult anyone at home or anyone tunes in, but, like... Oh, I, I, do... I am.
1: <laughs> um, like...
0: I do question some people who just don't absorb obvious metaphors and stuff like that. you don't have to agree with it you you can always actively choose not to read the x-men books but the metaphor and the allegory is there there's no denying that
1: yeah i mean you know new x-men jumbo carnation is killed in a a hate crime and like i don't know how you look at that and go oh well that, that's that's apolitical it's like
0: and all of New X-Men, by the way, was all about making the X-Men relevant in the early aughts, which is like decades ago at this point. Uh, both of you weren't even born at this time, so I can, I'm can i the only one who can talk about the early aughts. Sean's like nodding.
2: Yep. And if any of you believe that, thank you well, very much. Well,
0: are, they are believing it because you have your beauty filter on right now, but um, I was shading you. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for a reaction. Okay, <laughs> I'm like,
2: not looking for a reaction I'm like, is it true? No. no. It's just a uh, bad kind.
0: New X-Men was all about bringing in the mutant metaphor into the early aughts, which is, and this was very smartly done on Morrison and their end, which was that the mutant metaphor would evolve, and in the early aughts, mutant culture would be kind of cool culture, and you would have fashion designers, you would have a mutant culture, you would have drugs, you know, designer drugs. So I agree. It's always been there, and you know that's why we're here today to discuss our top fifteen LGBTQIA plus X Men characters. I want to say X Men related characters because we do yeah. have we. Well, let me, I'm look at the list here. Okay, we only have a pair that are not overtly X Men, but they're X Men adjacent enough that we do need to discuss them.
2: Do we? Do we, we do? Yes, we do. <laughs>
0: You've cosplayed as one of them, Mister Scott Free.
1: I mean, I've done a lot of regrettable things in my life, Paul. <laughs> we don't hold. No, no, no. We'll I'll, we'll get there when we we get there. I, I most most of my issues are are for joke purposes.
0: It's but... okay. That's fine. We that's why we love you. But no, I just I, I don't like
1: to see twinks happy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fair. I do get really embittered when I see happy twinks, like Latverian Lad. And yourself.
2: Uh, I have not been a twink since (laughs) 1980-something.
1: You know what? I'll take the compliment. So
0: Yeah, take it. Take it. Um, So I I think it goes without saying that there's a plethora of LGBTQIA plus characters that probably won't be... We won't be able to listen to this 15 character list. We love and respect all of them. We obviously think that even though it's really great, the Xbox are doing wonderful right now with representation, it can always be better. If anyone at home has any characters that particularly speak to them, please make sure to slide into Mr. Scott Free's DMs and let yeah. him know. Let yeah. him know in great detail why you love chaotic twins that are happy. But Power of X-Men, Latverian Lab, lab. please slide into our DMs. Let us know which characters resonate with you. This is just our top 15 list that we feel characters have been trailblazers that have really pushed the envelope with narratives in Marvel. But again, there are so many characters out there. We're so grateful that we have those characters even to begin with. So,
2: Can I just say, isn't Chaotic Twink very your brand?
0: For me... Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I I can't be a chaotic twink, but I haven't had Botox in like seven months, so I think I'm like chaotic daddy at this point.
1: <laughs> we'll do, um, a we'll no, do a poll. No, no, uh, no comments. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number fifteen to kick off our list is gonna be
2: Christian Frost, right? The one and only person you've ever cosplayed.
0: Yes, it's true. I've only cosplayed as Christian Frost. There's a reason why when we were doing this behind the scenes, why I was like, oh, I really want Christian to be number 15 here on the list was because he was introduced in New X-Men with Morrison's New X-Men. We really didn't get much of a backstory on him until we got to the Emma Frost series where we found out he came out and his father bullied him to a point. Winston Frost bullied him to a point that he hung himself. And it was one of the stories that was really trailblazing for comics at the time to the point that when the Target edition of Emma Frost, the the, the, the series, was released, they cut out the bits where Christian was intimate with his boyfriend. So Christian Frost. Has, yeah. Christian Frost, who is, by the way, everyone right now is all about boycotting Target. Back in 2007, Target was con- considered homophobic.
2: I mean, I mean, I've never lived in the states, so I've never had a Target. But I, so I don't know. I, I, I mean, you, you know, were like
0: a baby cow. when this was happening, but cow. Target was not LGBTQI friendly. They, they, they did not have the pride that they do today. Twenty years no. ago,
1: well, they don't have the pride that they had last month before they kowtowed to all these right wing nut jobs and started pulling stuff out of the stores. Uh, and if you have a problem with me calling them right wing nut jobs. Please slide into Paul's DMs.
0: Power of Axman, thank you. We'll take you. <laughs> but I remember what the target in my neighborhood, I was so excited to see the the Emma Frost trade paperback there. And I picked it up and I was going through it. And I bought it. And I went back home. And this is a in New York. And that part was edited out where uh, I, I'm trying to remember. It was like a chess playing scene. It wasn't even that sexually explicit. For the record, it was just two characters holding hands and the ca- the caption saying King takes Bishop or something like that. And that's where Emma's like, oh, God, Christian is Christian is. And it cuts out, you know, so that entire scene was omitted. And I think Christian right now is very loud and proud. And we love having him in the comics dating Bobby. But there was a time where Christian was censored.
2: Can we also agree. If your sister's Emma Frost, you're going to be gay.
0: Yeah, there's no way you're gonna be straight if your sister no, is Emma there's Frost. No your way. baby sister is Emma Frost. Like you're destined yeah. to be a gay boy. Yeah. And Christian is the oldest. Uh, no, no, wait, is Christian the oldest? I Scott, do you know is it who's older? Is it Adrian or Christian?
2: Um,
1: I think it's Adrian, then is it? y- Yeah.
0: It's Adrian. Think... It's either Adrian or Christian, definitely Emma, and then Cordelia. Cordelia is the youngest, and Emma's the yes. middle child. I, don't, I, I can't think of it on the top of my head if Christian or Adrian is the older one. But I, I trust you,
1: Scott. You know, famous last words. Um,
0: They're not going to d- slide into DMs. Because...
2: Number 14 on the list! Moving
1: <laughs> on!
0: Alright, who's it, number 14, Scott?
2: Uh, number
1: 14 is uh, Karma. Chuan Koi Man. Uh, one of the original New Mutants. Um who came out in a story from the late from the early 2000s yeah um as a lesbian um it was one of the uh, earlier high profile characters at Marvel to come out um, especially for a character who was a uh, Claremont and um who Claremont creation um Karma actually predates the other original new, new Mutants by couple years she appears in a fantastic four story randomly originally um so it was actually sort of a big deal uh that unfortunately as karma always gets screwed over plot just like attention wise so it didn't get as much attention as north star and it didn't get as much attention as bobby did um but it really does deserve you know a lot of credit because she was one of the first uh high profile lesbian characters at marvel
0: Yeah, and she's one of those characters that I'm constantly always in awe of. Like when she's been resurrected in the Krakoan age, she elects to be resurrected even with her mechanical leg. And I don't it's not like explicitly stated, but her body is perfect the way it is. And she's happy to be resurrected with it. Now obviously she lost that leg during second coming, but Karma for me has always been a character that has stood out from the rest of the pack, especially when thinking of the New Mutants, because I remember being so young and reading that issue or the the arc of the Shadow King possessing her. And it's a very problematic story by today's standards. And the Shadow King just like keeps consuming, consuming that. But Karma has always been a character who's always had a good sense of self and confidence in who she is. And she's always had a really good character history, so I'm I'm happy that that she's very out, proud, and front and center. And she went. Wait, wait, did she graduate from the University of Chicago? I'm trying to remember that issue of New Mutants, the volume like three or whatever, from the early odds. But I think she graduated from University of Chicago, and she was upset that Kitty couldn't make it there.
1: Is that New Mutants or is that me- that Mechanics? I'm gonna level with you. A lot of those like early aughts stories sort of blend together because as we've established I was a child then so uh,
0: I was middle aged <laughs> but <laughs> karma karma is one of those characters that's just incredible we love karma very much
2: so number 13 which I'll announce but I will pass it back to Scott because it is definitely one of his uh, favorite characters is Pyro yes so Scott, why is Pyro on the list uh, Pyro is on the list because he's literally
1: flaming. Um,
2: no. No.
1: Uh, and now we're canceled. Now we're yes. canceled. Um, no, Pyro um, is another classic Claremont creation. Uh, he debuts in Days of Future Past, uh, actually, um, with Mystique's New Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And from the get go, Claremont and John Byrne intended for him to be gay. Um, he's sort of a more um, effeminate character. He's a writer, he writes romance novels. Uh, He smokes out of a big, long, fancy cigarette holder. Uh, He's always wearing like a cravat and like, um, he's generally intended to be gay. And um, later in the nineties with the legacy virus, uh, the two most prominent victims of legacy virus are Ilyana. Uh, the innocent child, Empyro, who is the uh, sort of older, uh, bon vivant, gay character, and um, it's it's a very sort of poignant, you know, story. There's uh, X Men Annual number three. He comes out to Avalanche as best friend. I'm doing air quotes for those people listening. His best friend as legacy virus positive. And it's very heavy handed that it's a HIV AIDS story, um, which, you know, props to Fabian for getting that out there. And, um, you know, Pyro's back now. He's living his best life. He's not really written as as gay anymore, partly because Pyro two comes along in X-Men Gold, who is explicitly gay and sleeps with Bobby. And it gets very confusing. But uh, yes, LGBT trailblazer in comics, um,
0: etc. You hit all of the the notes. I have nothing to say to that. Like I have no follow up on that. That's one hundred percent everything I would have said.
2: Absolutely. Should we move to number twelve then? Your favorite new named mutant, Shadow Cat with a K.
0: God. God, I hate Shadowcat with a K so much. Here's my thing about Kitty. I said this on the first episode that I've ever podcast on. Kitty is whatever the writers want her to be. She can be a pirate. She can be a headmistress. She can be a sidekick. She can be a young ingenue. She can be ninja. A ninja. <laughs> She ninja. She, she's a president. You know what I mean? It's whatever the writers want her to be. Uh, Kitty is one of those characters that when I was reading X-Men in the end, I thoroughly enjoyed. And Flink was telling me when he was talking to Claremont, the idea was that in X-Men in the end, Kitty has redheaded children because she would end up with Rachel Summers, a.k.a. Marvel Girl, a.k.a. Phoenix, a.k.a. Prestige, whatever her name is these days. And I really... I love that about her and I, I love that I think Kitty makes sense to me as being LGBTQIA plus and we saw that obviously in Marauders in Steve Orlando's run when she's resurrected she kisses her tattoo artist and it's a very hot and beautiful moment.
2: But she explicitly
0: alluded to I know Scott is she has she explicitly ever come out now.
1: No. No. No, she's uh, been very heavily queer-coded, though, as uh, a bisexual woman.
0: Yeah, and I think X Men in the end is sort of where I would see her natural narrative coming to an end, and that's sort of where I would, where I would see the character be fully realized and like stop terrorizing us with her different incarnations. Like, I'm tired of it. All right, number eleven is. Tempo, and I'm sorry, she only recently got confirmed as being lesbian in Marauders, where she was at the Green Lagoon bar, as so many mutants are, and she's going through a breakup and she uses her time traveling powers to sort of navigate through that situation. But she was one of those characters that I so distinctly remember the Fleer Ultra card and knowing that she was part of the mutant liberation front and she was so iconic to my childhood and i'm so happy that she is that she's yeah. out and proud now
1: you know marvel has so many iconic uh, uh gay lady terrorists and um tempo is just continuing in that proud tradition and uh i i am happy for
0: Did you vote for her in the X-Men? Who did you vote for for the X-Men? I should know this because we did an episode on it, but for the X-Men election, not this last year, but the year before.
1: Uh, Avalanche. Oh, you were
0: Avalanche. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the the slogan for her was that it was always time for Tempo. And everyone was like so, so like excited to see Tempo get front and center. I wouldn't want Tempo on the X-Men just because I don't think that Tempo would share the same ideologies as some of the other X-Men like Xavier seems too basic for her like she is mutant liberation front she is on the streets causing you know w- making sure that the fight for equality is front and centered and they're not she's not locked away in a school you know playing someone else's game and i i was happy to see her in marauders towards the end but of course that book went away and we haven't been able to see her as much since
2: but great representation for yes. the lesbian community like you said um, a, an activist that you could definitely see in the real world to mm. you know being at the front of parades and fighting the good fight
0: all right number 10 is two characters and they have to kind of be together it's Betsy and Rachel what do you guys think of Captain Britain and Rachel
1: Summers. In, in my heart, uh, Brian Braddock will always be Captain Britain. Um, but, you know, I'm happy that uh, Betsy and Rachel uh, through Teeny Howard's um, run on Excalibur, Knights of X, and now Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain uh, have really gotten to explore their relationship. Um, Betsy... You know, is is a bit um, newer as like a queer character, whereas Rachel has historically been seen by a lot of people as extremely extraordinarily queer coded uh, from her very first appearance in Days of Future Past when she comes back to our time and somebody calls her rough trade, and it's like there's a lot of very like on your nose on the nose Claremont like queer coding with rachel and it's really nice to actually see it be acknowledged
0: yeah i like rachel as being fully realized lgbtqia plus like i rachel looks to me in these recent panels that we've seen her in she looks like the ultimate fuck boy you know and i think that's a good way of making the character very relevant to today's era I don't know if I like her specifically with Captain Britain. I, all I can think of is that Betsy has licked Cyclops's face, you know, when, when he had the oil there. I was like, ooh, so Betsy has hooked up with father and daughter and has had, at the time, a very complicated relationship with Jean. I'm like, I don't know if that's, like, the best move ever. I question if Teenie Howard knew that because if anyone would know that, why would you hook them up? But also,
2: like, puts it, like, you know, I guess the – the age, it's a bit of, you know, how old are they? In what year are that they? That's literally things. the next thing I was about to say. Slippery I soap, to right? Agree. So, like, how old is the age gap? But I think the thing that's important about them is now we're starting to get into more mainstream characters where, like, Psylocke's quite a popular character. You know, the numbers 15 to 11. Um, well, I guess Shadow Cat is quite popular, but, you know, not officially officially part of um you know the the queer community we're starting now to get representation amongst characters that are more popular and more visible so i think that's what puts them on the list and makes them important
0: i agree i agree wholeheartedly and again like i think i think betsy right now has been front and center and i think rachel has been in desperate need of having someone realize her as a character other than Phoenix was my mom, which is something she just said for like 20 years while Jean was dead. So, I'm very happy that both characters are having their narratives right now.
1: Yeah. Um, And, you know, I mean, in the Days of Future Past, in her original timeline, she was with Franklin Richards, and that just is very, very gay on some level. So,
0: (laughs) Hyperstorm. Her and Hyperstorm
1: uh no that's their that's their child
0: oh my Uh, god hyperstorm is their child shit man something vodka sodas at like happy hour oh my god that's hysterical yeah so they do have a child out there but again like i think this story services her a bit more than 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 hyperstorm and franklin richards
1: the franklin of it all my god i
0: forgot about Franklin. have has rachel and franklin ever met in the current timeline have like they ever had a moment I can't think of one. I
1: I don't think that 616 Franklin and Rachel have really interacted. Um, I know the Days of Future Past Franklin pops up like occasionally. And there's there's a lot going on there. Rachel's
0: like, no, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so number nine.
2: One of the guys you'll see at every gay club in the circuit room, muscled up without his shirt, is Ultimate Colossus.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I we've established already endlessly that you guys were not aware of, you know, stuff in the early aughts because you guys were babies. But Ultimate Colossus coming out was such a big deal. And he was hooking up with Ultimate North Star. And of course, Ultimate North Star had a drug addiction problem. (laughs) But they... It was so. I remember being in Midtown Comics in like the summer of two thousand, and like five or six or whatever year it was, and just hearing people talk about Colossus and North Star together with excitement, and thinking it was like really cool and everything. So, I think a lot of people forget that when Ultimate Colossus came out, and there was that representation there, that like it was a trailblazing moment because at the time. There were no no queer narratives in in the mainstream books, and something like Colossus coming out was a
2: huge deal. And did people remember? So I remember reading like Ultimatum and some of the Ultimate Universe. But was his personality very similar to the Six One Six Colossus? I couldn't
1: tell you. He um, he's isn't he's he's Russian American instead of being. Uh, for Russian. Well, yeah, he's, he's he's uh from, and he's from an organized crime family, um, like part of like the Russian mob, which um, you know, it was a culture of like machismo and other things, and it's like it was actually a really interesting take on the character to both have him be gay and to then come out of like an even more like hyper or masculine culture than like Soviet culture it was it was an interesting take
0: and it was fun it it was very well received and again it was part of the trailblazing that was happening in the early aughts. i'm not saying it's perfect i'm not saying that we can look look back on these narratives and not have room for improvement but it was part of the conversation that has gotten us to where we're at today and i think ultimate colossus people forget that he was he was written gay and and that there was a lot of visibility for him
2: if only it was 616 classes. but hey, Well, well
0: after he got jilted by Kitty and other maybe. <laughs> Alright, number 8. Scott, do you want to introduce number 8?
1: Sure. Sorry, I misspoke. He was not Russian-American. He was straight from Russia. Well, not straight, but he was from Russia.
2: Wait! Um, he wasn't straight from
1: Russia. Yeah. Um, number 8 is Shade, also known as Dark Veil. Uh, um a mutant um, who was introduced, I believe, in what twenty nineteen in the Sin of Grace. Um, sorry, twenty eighteen by Sin of Grace, uh, mutant uh, drag queen,
0: based off of our Power of X Men beloved member Dax exclamation point, and is the first mutant drag queen, and quite appropriately has the power of. Shade, and has appeared in a lot of Cena Grace's Iceman comics, and I enjoy the character every time she pops up. Every time she rears her fabulous head on panel.
2: It's so on the nose, but it's forgivable, because she's lovable.
0: It is really so on the nose, but if you also know, like, Cena, like, this is straight up Cena's humor. Like, of course it's a drag queen with the power of Shade. Like, Cena gets it. Like, if I've never gotten it, that comics have some kind of camp element to it, Cena embraces it and knows how to use it to to his advantage when writing these characters. So, but yeah, I mean, first drag queen mutant that we have out there. And I think did a lot in terms of publicity and making sure that folks were aware that the X-Books were a spot where for a variety of voices were converging on.
2: Number seven is our uh, Chaotic by Energy superstar, Dakin. I think it's really important to have him on the list because, I, you know, a lot of them are really great political representations. And I think the one thing he does really well is kind of the embodiment of, like, sexual liberation, which feels more prevalent in our community. Um, and I just think that it's good to shine a light on that in... Uh, a way that's not always negative so you know he's just i mean his, his power doesn't right like it's um it's not just his personality it's actually what his meeting ability can can do uh and i think that's really cool that he's just that ultimate fuck boy because we do need representation for that
0: i mean it's fair he is a fuck boy he is someone you go out to you go out with uh at hell's kitchen you meet him at atlas or the ritz and you just hook up <laughs> with him and you wake up the next morning and you're like, what the fuck did I just do? But I mean, Bobby had that same exact issue. It, was, was it Winter's End? I'm forgetting what the Cena Grace issue was. But future Bobby does hook up with Dakin. And it's like, what the fuck just happened here? I don't like Dakin with Aurora. North Star's sister. I hate
1: that story so much. I, I mean, they seem, they seem to be good for each other. I mean, do they? Well, I mean, she's not dating Sasquatch, so that's a improvement. <laughs> I mean, over past Aurora stories.
0: Was she dating Sasquatch? Oh, I, yeah. I don't know why I thought she was dating. Who, who, who did she run into at the Hellfire Gala a couple years ago? That she was here, like, oh, I'm so sorry, we dated, and the guy's like, oh, goodbye. Maybe it was Sasquatch.
2: <laughs> yeah, I want to look that up. Fucking Walt Langowski. Um, no, I love that Sasquatch is the one like being like, "Oh, don't talk to me." He's he's. Oh, it was the...
0: Kyle. She dated Kyle from Hellions. Wild Child. Yes, that's who she dated. That's, that's who it, I yeah. forgot. I totally completely forgot. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, I know everything about X Men history. I totally forgot that Aurora dated Wild Child. I, and I don't
1: know the story. That that was in the uh, the Weapon X series, which was. I. Try to block out of with the Neverland,
0: Neverland compound.
1: Yeah, yeah, I read that once. Not that's Fantastic. that's where like Nazi sinister comes from. and Yeah, yeah, not great.
0: Listen, Dakin for me, I love him as a chaotic bisexual energy who comes and comes into a group and is fucking everyone and causes all this mayhem and stuff like that. I also think it's important to note that, like the Batman family, Marvel was trying to establish the Wolverine family. And not only do we have Laura, a.k.a. X-23, a.k.a. Wolverine, but we also had Dakin, and Dakin was LGBTQIA+, at a time where, again, we did not have bisexual characters being re- re- rendered in the books.
1: So, yeah, but I, I i will i will take take issue with that, is like his portrayal in his early appearances is very much the negative, like he's a dangerous, like bisexual, like sexual predator. I mean, his power with yeah. the pheromones and like it took a while to get him into like a positive portrayal and i think a lot of bunch of his early appearances do kind of have that biphobia yeah vibe
0: it you know i've i've gone about i've gone back and forth about this when discussing sailor Moon because if you read the original sailor moon manga there is this element that mamo chan who's Darien for for u.s listeners and he was bisexual in the com, not bisexual in the comic books, but he was portrayed bisexually. And the only thing I can say is like sometimes being LGBTQIA, you can play the villain of the story. And I think in so many ways that's a fun element. But I think that's fair to know because during X Factor, I was really upset that Dakin used his powers on that motel employee against his will to get information about what had happened there when they were investigating Aurora's death, and I thought that was extremely problematic. And I was like, why didn't anyone in edit call this out? Like, this poor motel manager is probably going to be fired from his job and was raped emotionally against his will. And that that is a very extreme interpretation of the scene, but I'm with you, Scott, on
2: that, is
0: what I'm saying. I think that's
2: pretty extreme, because then, do you not say that any time Emma Frost or Xavier uses their power to find something is... It's, I mean, it's equivalent, isn't it?
0: Well, I, I think there is this idea that it is morally wrong to do that, and that someone like Emma is sort of doing what needs to be done. I think in the context of X-Factor, that issue of X-Factor that irked me was that he was supposed to be seen as a hero in it. Less about the action and understanding the character being a certain way, but more about the rendering of the writing.
1: Yeah, I, I think especially from a character who right right or wrong um past betrayals has a history of using those abilities in a way that's associated with sexual violence it was like not probably the best way to have him do that uh i mean like like dark avengers Dakin is really like you know he's a sexual predator and like They've moved him away from that, and I'm really glad because I enjoy the character quite a bit now. Um, but it's it's been like really good to see him move away from the sort of like problematic, uh, like danger bisexual to disaster. Yeah. So oh.
0: number six, wouldn't to say anal. I, how do you how do you pronounce it's, it?
2: it? It's a null. I okay, ben but ben during ben, Pride ben, Month, it's ben, anal. Ben, ben <laughs>
0: everyone used to... Call- this is an unfortunate era of representation in Marvel Comics because there's another character on this list that we will talk about whose initial name was Ask Guardian, and then you had Anol who everyone called Anol. And, and it was just like, oh, what are they... One w- could only assume that editorial was purposely trolling readers.
2: I mean... You gotta believe so, right? You couldn't put this down and not the first thing people just be like, come on. Come on. Come on.
0: It, there was so much back and forth on on the message boards at the time about like this is a certain type of frog, amphibian, like come on, like uh and everyone was just going nuts about it. But anyways.
1: It it is, it's a type of lizard. I mean, I, I don't think we're in Day Philippus sat down and were like yeah we're gonna make an anal sex joke I don't know but did no one then go like
0: right I'm not saying that they did but I'm just saying did an editor not flag you can't call this gay character anal or no like like come on
1: are you saying something Scott no I don't know like it it it's funny or it's like yeah it was 20 years ago and it's like that was a really different era and like I don't know
0: That's fair. I I can't argue with the fact that it just was a different era. Grace Randolph, who does Beyond the Trailer, wrote a story for the character that I very much enjoyed. And I think he does not get any love or recognition for being a LGBTQIA plus character at a time where we had none in the X-Men. It was very scarce and he really was there front and center and he was the odd man out in a lot of stories and yet the character persevered
1: yeah uh you know like for a lot of everybody has like their class of like kids x-men kids that they grew up reading and this was like my group of of kids um and like anol was is a really important character he was the openly gay kid um you know north star was his mentor um, there's a lot of like uh you see him sort of become more comfortable with himself and grow up as the story goes along and it's like that was really radical for the early 2000s and you know there was a dropped plot line that uh originally he was going to kill himself yeah which absolutely right. um and i'm you know, they were very glad they ultimately didn't follow through with that because the whole point was he would kill himself and it would be a point of like tension between Hellion and um Elixir and like they had, a, the editors had enough sense to be like, this is really just problematic. So you well, know, like, don't do it the, yeah.
0: the reason why they wanted to do something like that at the time, I can only assume, was because there were a lot of LGBTQIA plus deaths in, in America and the Trevor Project was a foundation that people looked towards for resolution and, and support so going back to X-Men comics being politically charged even though I don't agree with a story like that because it is deeply triggering and a character like Anul deserves to be front and center they were obviously going to try to showcase a narrative that was a byproduct of its time you know about 20 15 years ago
1: yeah and but to have it serve as like character growth for these two um sort of like rowy rowy straight characters um for you know josh i'm gonna sleep with rain Foley and uh hellion uh the poor man's quentin choir it's like um
0: wait did you just call hellion the poor man's
1: quentin choir yes
0: that's hysterical
1: Like well, he shows up and he's just like oh like i'm a badass but like he's also a good boy and like uh. where
0: has hellion even been these last exactly. Like, few years exactly the last time i remember anything significant with hellion was age of x-man and he was one of the force warriors and that's post that was post second coming right where he lost his hands
1: Yes. yes. He didn't hand.
0: lose his hands. He
1: lost his hands, but like... he lost his hands. He has the yeah. he has the robot hands. No, like I, I I like Hellion. Um I but we're getting way off topic. Um Anol, uh super important. Uh it's been great to see him grow. Um, there's a really cute story with him and Gray Malkin from last year's Pride issue or two years ago Pride issue. Uh we're actually talking. <laughs> Invites a gnoll to come out and dance And yep. that was very sweet Um Because He works at the bar At the Green Lagoon and sometimes he's Drawn like he's 35 Sometimes he's drawn like he's 12 I agree
0: wow. that has always been my note Of the characters that sometimes he looks middle aged and other times he looks like he's 12 years old 100% yep. agree with you uh, You're not consistent when rendering him
1: It's, it's that wizard
2: Botox it's <laughs> Yeah Please share the do word. You not? Do you not associate with that day Spirit. I feel like that's... that's do I... I...
0: <laughs> is that on par for me? Yes. I Sometimes yeah. I look middle-aged and other times I look like a twink. I 100% agree. It depends yeah. on where I'm at with my mental health. <laughs> and how many drugs <laughs> I've done in the week. <laughs> I can either look 14 or I can look 45.
2: Well, we're getting to our top five, guys.
0: I'm really excited for our top five. I feel like the majority of the episode is going to be us discussing these top five. Because I... For folks at home, like, what, however you feel about these characters, there's no denying these characters were trailblazers for narratives that showcase LGBTQIA plus people in comics.
2: So should we start off with number five? Another yeah. pairing, Shatterstar and Richter. I,
0: I don't even know where to begin with this. I have so many feels.
2: What? Your biggest feel? <laughs> the kiss.
0: Well, here's the thing that really irked me about the kiss. I remember when the kiss happened... And everyone on like the CBR message boards, their panties were in a tizzy because they're like, oh my god, why are, poli- why are politics making their way into comic books? And it's like, dude, th- this is just two characters who have been long rumored to be gay, who, when Peter David came back to the X-Books and was doing X-Factor, was so obvious that these characters were together. And then you had Rob Liefeld way in being like, oh no, Shutterstar was not supposed to be gay. He's supposed to be a warrior. He's supposed to be castrated sexually. All this stuff. And it was such a fucking clusterfuck, and got so many media, so much media attention. It's like, for what? For for when you look back on this, this panel is absolutely nothing. Like it, it was just two characters who are in a relationship kissing. That's it. The, everyone else made it political, except for the actual story itself.
1: Rob Liefeld was so pissed off about that that he spent the past twenty years uh, creating like Shatterstar knockoffs. Like, Bloodstorm, and now now there's, like, Lady Shatterstar in his, uh, like, Deadpool comic mini that he's writing right now. And you know what? I think it's great. Because, as with every single Rob Liefeld collection, creation, Shatterstar, once he was free of Liefeld, has become such a deep and, like, nuanced character. And he has feet! He has feet. That's, Which is great! Um... But it, it was, you know, it's a, a big part of, like, Shatterstar's whole story is um, A, you know, liberation, He's free, he was a slave warrior, so there's your politics right from the get-go, and B, also just learning about, like, the human experience and, like, he slowly grows to learn who he is and what he likes and all the stuff and, you know, leave aside the Benny Russell of it all and The guy in the coma, and I don't know what was going on there, but um, it's really important. Uh, Same thing with Richter. I mean, Richter um, was also one of the first prominent um, Latino characters um, who was like like, on a core team. And on top of that, you know, he's then uh, one of the first out like bisexual or gay men. And it's, you know, a lot of groundbreaking stuff.
0: Uh, Alison Blair is is his mom, and he's going to be LGBTQIA+. Um, I l- listen, th- there are a couple I will sing of them during Children's Crusade when the pretender repowered Richter, and you have that cute moment with Shatterstar and Richter and them holding each other. It's so cute. I love them as a couple. They were trailblazers. The innuendos had been there for a while. I'm glad Peter David fully realized them.
2: Number four is another couple. All right. Arguably, for. probably the most famous queer couple now in Marvel. I'll, I'll, put, I'll say that. Um, Wicked and Hulkling.
0: I agree they're the most famous. I yeah. agree. 100% agree. Whether you like it or not, they are they are the most famous one. Ask Guardian. That was his yeah. name when he first came out. Ask Guardian. That was hateful. Hateful. But
2: they, I like that they addressed in... The comics, they literally address being like, you're a gay dude and you chose Asgardian as your name. It's yeah, like Jessica Jones gay was like, dude don't you do Anal as your name. anol It's a type a no. of wizard. Um, I I love them in the comics. And I, the thing I love about them is that, you know, if you're of a certain age, all the queer storylines centered around trauma mm-hmm. around it, or, you know, um, like e- e- even Scott, what you just referenced that they were going to make like the suicide storyline for him. And it was a lot of that. Right. And that's like what we got when we were younger, happy to have it. Cause there was a representation, happy to see, you know, some image of yourself portrayed back, whether it was dark and traumatic, it was still better than nothing. But I think they're a really great example of a more modern age where it's just, you know, It happened, it was just very normal, it's not centered around some traumatic events. They're like the heartstopper of the Marvel Universe.
0: Oh, and, and that's probably going to be true. They will be the heartstopper of the Marvel Universe because, what's his name, Kit Walker? Is that the name of the actor? Kit Connor. Kit Connor is probably going to be casted as Hulkling.
2: I mean, they're not going to cast him as Hulkling, come on.
0: I mean Joe What's his name is definitely Wiccan for for the MCU. There's no way he's not gonna be Wiccan. I am I'm, I'm happy to be wrong, but all rumors suggest otherwise. Yeah. All all inside D suggest
2: otherwise. I'd love them to cast him as Hulkling. And if the other one was Wiccan. I mean, it's absolutely super cheesy, and I don't usually support fan castings like that, but I I would stand that one.
0: Scott, as someone who's cosplayed as Wiccan, your feels?
1: Uh, the cape is a pain in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you got to get it to to drape in this really specific way, and it's it's a real pain in the ass. But yeah, um, I you know like for for me, um, the characters are super important, and from that sort of same generation, the Young Avengers were out at the same time as like um the Academy X, like New X Men, where it's like we had representation in as like a kid in the way form of like a knoll. And then also like um, Wigan and Hulkling. Um, I, as I've gotten older, um, the characters will always have a special place in my heart. I find them to be a little too saccharine um, where it's like, it's the perfect like space romance and, you know, all of that sort
2: of stuff. Um, but don't you, know, you think like, I think we don't get, or at least, like when we were younger, you didn't get to see that kind of cheesy, perfect teen romance that lots of straight people get. And so it's like, I think it's nice that young people get to see and live that like fantasy, oh, soulmates, it's a perfect, you know, romance. And I, I
1: 100% like, I love that for like kids who are growing up now and like get to see that. I guess this this is more just me, like, as like an editorial comment. Like I, I don't always enjoy now reading Wiccan and Hulkling stories because I'm not and and that's okay because I'm not the target audience necessarily for those. It's the target audience is like the gay kid who's like 14 and needs to see that positive representation. And I think that's great. Um the flip side is like I don't give a flying fuck about Teddy's space empire that he's the perfect Monarch for and, and and but I'm not the target, and that's great because not everyone is the target for every comic.
0: But 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 to that point though, like the the Teddy and Billy that we I going to say grew up with, but I was like middle age when they when they like debuted when they first came, they they faced a lot of obstacles, and yeah. that's what made them very interesting characters. Like Wiccan, at first, you thought he was going to be an Asgardian, but then he was he had ties to Wanda and then the you know we found out he was a reincarnation of Wanda's twins and Teddy we had him talk to his dad who was Captain Marvel but it turned out to be a scroll and then his mom turned out to be an agent you know what i mean like i it, it was a lot of really interesting drama that to your point i agree it's written for a different audience today an audience that needs to see that positive representation but when they first debuted there was so their, their stories were very rich and complicated and i think that's what people enjoyed about them the most and 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 why so many people talked about them at the time and still talk about them right now yeah. and it's and it's great they they have done more for queer representation on marvel than any other character that we're going to talk about going forward they they really are front and center and i agree well the second they enter the mcu all the kids on tumblr are going to lose their shit there's going to be so yeah. much fan art on tumblr
1: yeah um still yeah is
0: Tumblr not, on TikTok?
1: Uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're thinking of TikTok.
2: In um, uh,
0: my day, it was Tumblr. <laughs> in uh, my day, we turned tricks on Tumblr.
2: And your day, was Craigslist, honey. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Thank you, Grand Thee. <laughs> I love that meme so much. That's um, right. I miss Craigslist. I miss turning tricks on Craigslist.
1: Um... I you know I'm not gonna touch that one. <laughs>
0: You're like I still go on to
1: Craigslist. Is that even still like is that still around that of oh, thing? Know.
0: I don't know. <laughs> but
1: number yeah, like, three on the list. <laughs> yeah, number three. Number three. Number three is um you know the the classic 5 X Man uh Mister Bobby Drake Iceman um who uh you know was written as queer coded from his 80s miniseries onwards and then came out finally in 2013 um in Bendis's uh young X-Men
0: yeah in the all- new all different era post avX yes and that those pages leaked online before for the, the actual issue published someone at the printer taking photos and put it out on the internet. And everyone's like, what? And, and and a lot of people were angry at the time, but then there's this other group of people who've been reading the comics who were like, have you not picked up an X-Men comic? Iceman has always been written with the subtext that he is gay. Anywhere from Chuck Austin to Scott Lobdell to his miniseries from the 80s. He was written as an obviously closeted gay man. And Ben does just hold on that thread.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally, Emma possesses his body uh, in the early, very early, 90, in the early 90s. And, like, she does these spectacular things with Bobby's powers that Bobby can't do. And when... They're back in the, when she's back in her body, Bobby's just like, well, why can't I do that? And Emma's just like, well, you have, you know, like some big, like blocks going on there. And Bobby's just like, what could that be? And Emma's just like,
0: well, and we (laughs) also saw it in the Age of Apocalypse episodes we reviewed, Scott, where he takes Rogue to meet his parents and they're like, oh, is this your girlfriend? And it's like, it's so clearly that Rogue is a beard for Bobby and they're talking about Remy the entire time.
1: Yeah. Like, He, he, He he brings he brings home to dinner the woman who he literally cannot touch. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and also like Jean and him have this moment at like a and N Borders whatever, and Jean is like, "Oh, Bobby, thank you for coming with me. All the other guys don't like to shop." And there's Bobby in purple pants and a chain wallet, being like, "Well, Jean, you know why I'd like to shop, right? I'm not like the other guys." And Gene's like. Bobby, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't read your mind. I don't know what you're thinking. Like, it's always been there. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that always gets me when people are like, oh, spent gay and all this stuff. Like, oh, what that's Marvel pushing an agenda. No, the character has been that has been decades worth of innuendos. Yeah. That we're just finally we're at a point in our history where you cannot innuendos don't don't do enough anymore for for stories like either he's Gary's not and they tugged on the thread and he is
2: I think why he's so high on the list it's important because he is probably one of the most I oh, want to see on the list yeah I arguably the most famous one on the list right like taking an original x-man and not you know not taking a new character from the modern age where it's a bit I guess um, easier to just start them off as being queer like you're taking a character with a lot of history that the people that didn't see the subtext are going to be surprised and you know a character that is quite famous and making them have representation for um the queer community so yeah I think it's you know do I think it's the most exciting story that he's gay or like maybe not but I think it's important because he because of the spotlight that he has
0: and the spotlight will continue this fall in Fall of X and they just released some of the covers for is it September, I think it's September, the September covers. And it's looking good. I can't wait to read his Fall of X miniseries.
2: Also, do right. I love you know, in the movie when it's like the the gayest scene oh, and Wolverine yeah. comes in and he's like he just blows on the bottle.
0: Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay, first of all, I thought you were going to talk about, like, the other obvious, like, metatextual gay scene, which is where his mom is like, have you tried not being a mutant?
2: Think, yeah. No. But yes,
0: him blowing on the Dr. Pepper bottle yeah. for Hugh Jackman. I mean, yeah. it, right there, it all writes itself.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, the, the intense, like, weird sexual, like, tension between him and, like, Pyro... Where they're like angrily like staring at each other, and then like there's there's you know, oh you're my best friend, and like there's a lot of just like very very gay stuff going on in those movies,
0: right? And that goes from like this old literary trope that the two male leads are bickering over the girl or something like that because they're secretly bickering for their feelings with each other, right?
1: And and again, the girl who Bobby literally cannot touch
0: yeah i mean listen i mean it's anna paquin though i would like i would be hanging with anna paquin at xavier's school in the fox x-men verse and be like yes
2: number two is another couple mystique and destiny yeah taking the silver medal the silver medal of queer culture
0: i i listen I I, Scott, when Scott and I first started talking, we talked about how Irene and Raven were being represented in the Krakowian Age, like as if Raven has never done anything wrong, and she's a hero story when Raven is an awful human being. But we've gone back and we've read Age of Apocalypse, specifically Legion Quest, and Irene very much excuse me, Raven very much loves Irene and is motivated by that loss. And those issues of Legion Quest, which I didn't pick up on it as a kid. I picked up on the subtext. Of course I picked up on the subtext. But she keeps saying Irene was my friend. She was my best friend and she's dead. I love her. You can swap in best friend for wife, girlfriend, lover, whatever. They are decades worth of an innuendo. Everyone knew that Irene and Raven were a couple it was that thing that was unsaid. Every X Men fan, even though no one was calling them lesbians, even though they were not married, even though they weren't identified as a couple, everyone knew that they were together, and that is why they get number two.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, Mystique, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is like, like the gayest of gay groups freedom of mutants terrorists. Yeah, Freedom from the Freedom Force, <laughs> like. You know, you have Mystique, Destiny, um Pyro, Avalanche, and like the blob. And like, with the exception of old Fred Dukes, pretty much everybody in that group is is somewhere on the LGBT sort of um spectrum. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's that meme, that Tumblr meme. Like if somebody was like and showed up, hey, do you want to join the Brotherhood of Evil Gays? It's like, yeah, that sounds actually really badass.
0: I think Irene and Raven, it's been a story in the Crocon age that I very much have enjoyed seeing unfold. I think they're written too sacred to go back to what you were saying about Wiccan and Hulkling. I like, I really want to see them just be nasty. Like I want to see, like people forget Mystique shapeshifted into a character called Fox and slept with her daughter's then boyfriend, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Like she, she hurled baby Kurt, off of a waterfall, right? It's it's interesting the way they've written her, but that doesn't mean I don't support this these villainous lesbians. I think it's like I said earlier. I think LGBTQI plus characters deserve to be evil as well, and 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 I think that could be enjoyable. But Irene and Raven, I think, are at the center point of Krakoa right now, and I and I'm very much happy to see them where they're and at.
2: Could we say that Mystique is probably the Close representation to non-binary on the list. Oh, one hundred percent agree. Of, you know, 100... gays, bis, and lesbians. Not, um, not a ton of representation and, for and the, wider, the, yeah, the wider, yeah, the white community. So, I mean, by virtue of our power, also, right? Like, well, so I, agree, I it. agree with
0: you. And listen, I, there's going to be those people who like don't assume pronouns or a gender identity for a character. But I will say this fictional character. But I never thought about shapeshifters as being inherently non-binary until the Shira reboot. And there's a character in there that yeah. identifies as non-binary. And that makes perfect sense to me. If you can be anyone you know, in the world, then you would be free of these gender norms, right? It just would be a language that doesn't make sense to you. And we know more in the up- upcoming X-Men 97 is going to be non-binary. And so for me, it always makes sense that the shapeshifter would not succumb to traditional gender yeah. norms, given how their powers work.
2: And that brings us to the top of the list.
0: Top of the list. Scott.
1: <laughs> top of the list is uh, the greatest of Marvel's LGBT characters. Uh, Jean-Paul Beaubier, uh, North Star. Etoile uh, polar as they say in uh, Quebec let uh, try it. Yeah. My or sassy business. elf.
0: Sa- oh, yeah. wait, what does that mean?
1: It means North star. Those... North star. Oh. Okay. It literally
2: means North Star. Yeah. Bitch, I
0: did French. <laughs> I did not take French class in high school. I took Spanish.
1: Yahoo Sabes. Uh,
2: there you
0: go. Yachtou sabes. Uh, Do you
1: know what uh, I
2: love too that like it's so French Canadian because everybody growing up was JP, like Jean-Philippe, Jean-Pierre, Jean whatever. So I love that he's also a JP. It's very, it's very Quebec.
1: Um yeah Quebec uh, Quebec was freedom fighter Olympic gold medalist skier um member of Alpha Flight and the first pr- first real uh, prominent comics character to come out in 1992 is Alpha Flight 126 uh written by Scott Lobdell um very famous panel, or it's Northstar screaming, I am gay, as he beats up a super-powered Mountie. Um, it is very confusing issue outside of the context, but um, yeah, Northstar was, is groundbreaking. Um, is dick. Gay people can be dicks. I'm a dick, uh, and uh, I love him for it.
0: It's also a very heartbreaking issue when he comes out because yes. he discovers the baby who we now is named Joanna and she's in a dumpster and she was discarded because she had AIDS. And we, we now know after Trial of Magneto that she was a mutant and she's in the mutant cloud and she will be resurrected. I don't think she's been resurrected yet though, has she?
1: No, but we really haven't seen a lot of north star and kyle um since the end of uh, x factor and uh, the trial of magneto um yeah, and, yeah it's and it's tied up into representational issues i mean uh north star was another character created by uh burn and claremont like pyro who was intended to be gay uh from the get-go um but burn has said that and um you know he goes through a bunch of editorial things where He suddenly gets a mysterious disease uh, and he starts wasting away and he disappears off to Asgard for a while because he has elf cancer. And it's like, this is in the 80s and uh, apparently Byrne wanted to originally just say that he had AIDS and Marvel editorial was just like, you can't do that. And um, it was just like, you know, obviously they didn't. That's really good, because it would not have been handled well in the 80s. And um, yeah, this is another sort of issue with representation, how much representation of LGBT characters has come, where you have this character who is originally like, you know, an elf or a fairy. I mean, there's literally a plot where Loki says, tricks Northstar and Aurora, uh, and telling them that their mother is an Asgardian fairy and it's like oh north star is a fairy um and going from that to having all these characters you know that we all just went through who are very out and very proud um and you also don't have john Byrne anymore uh writing really homophobic stories so there we go
0: well and scott labdell we've had him on the podcast we've never aired the episode but he fought for he did fight to have North star come out. And that was a fight he had to have with editorial at the time. And we would be remiss to not discuss that during Chuck Austin's run, North star had a crush on Bobby. And that was a huge subplot that has been forgotten about. But the idea was that because it tied into Bobby's own journey as a gay man.
1: Yeah. And, and to tie it back to one of the earlier characters, um, Northstar is a Null's advisor at um, the Xavier Institute and his mentor and helps a Null sort of come to terms with his own um, like sexuality. And it's actually really refreshing to see like a quote unquote elder gay character, even though Northstar is supposed to be in his 30s, uh, an an elder gay character mentoring um, a younger gay character. And you just you didn't have that before that sort of era.
0: And there's a scene in Young Avengers where Jessica Jones is talking to Hulkling and Wiccan, and they're like, you have to decide if you want to come out or not. And they're like, well, why should Northstar have
1: all the fun? So... Yeah. Mess, messy twinks stealing uh, attention from older guys. Chaotic twinks. Side. Chaotic twins. Chaotic Twinks.
2: I think <laughs> if you're old enough to remember back in 1992 just how progressive that was because, I mean, you didn't see anything in pop culture really at all. I mean, until the late 90s is from what I can remember, right? And the kind of comics, TV movies. I mean, maybe a thing here and there, but like yeah, it was pretty groundbreaking.
0: It was. And a lot of these characters, you know, they predate the current landscape we have which again to reiterate is not a very perfect landscape by no means but there was a time where queer narratives were just being regulated to in windows and not being fully yeah. realized and yeah. you know to being
1: a Disney villain
0: yeah to being a Disney villain
1: <laughs> I mean Mar- Marvel under former editor Jim Shooter had an explicit policy of no uh, no gay characters um, the only gay characters that you could have were generally villains uh like like 80s pyro and they were over the top and stereotypes couldn't have any gay heroes couldn't have any of that and that was like an explicit shooter policy so it's like we've gone a long way from the sort of like 80s editorial mandates to an era when Marvel puts out every year a pride special yeah
0: yeah we've come it, it it's been a minute <laughs> and i can't wait to see what the next 20 years is going to hold for for these kinds of voices All right, so anything else to add?
2: No, I mean, we covered, obviously, X-Men-focused characters, but, um, you know, quick shout-out to all the other important LGBTQ plus characters, both in Marvel or the broader comic community. Apollo Midnighter, big ones. Tim Drake now, obviously, in the Batman world. Um, Yeah, so... uh, And obviously, John Kent being a huge one. I mean, that's amazing, having Superman's son. Um, so obviously we didn't cover them because this is an X Men Focus podcast. But uh, great to see that's not just in the X Men world.
0: I listen. I love seeing John Ken out and proud. The one thing I I did read the issue where he kissed. Uh, I'm forgetting. I don't know the character's uh, name.
1: J- uh, Jay. Jay.
0: And yeah. I think I think it was written and drawn in a way that if they wanted to pull it last minute, they could have. 'cause it didn't flow as wonderfully as I wanted it to be. But like I'm glad they they stuck to their guns and they made him LGBTQIA I love
1: it. Anyway, this is not a bad family podcast.
0: No, but again, to your point, Sean though, all of the LGBTQIA characters that we grew up with, Uranus and Neptune from Sailor Moon, obviously were instrumental in shaping me as a as a person. So let us know in DMs who your favorite X. Ex- related LGBTQIA plus character or comics, character, anime, pop culture, where can folks connect with you guys on the, on the social medias?
2: You can reach me at ladvarian underscore lad on Instagram. And that's it. Hit me up there.
1: And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And now blue sky. The, the fuck uh, is blue sky. Yeah.
2: What? Oh no. He's aged us. <laughs> yeah. Because Scott's yeah. such a young twink.
1: Um, the future is now, and uh, at uh, Mr. Scott Free, uh, you didn't you...
0: answer. What is Blue yeah.
1: Skies? It's it's like uh, the the original guy who founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. It's like his new social media venture, um, and you can find me on all those platforms as uh, Mr. Scott Free. We're at Power of X-Men
0: on Instagram. We're trying to make sure YouTube thrives a little bit. So if this video gets posted on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. And if not, that's it. We're just on Instagram and YouTube for Power of X-Men. And we'll see you all in the future.